little bit about Myanmar from the Open Doors World Watch List. The source of persecution is religious nationalism. The population there is almost 55 million people. There are about 4.3 million Christians there. The main religion is Buddhism. The government there is Parliamentary Republic, and the leader is President Hitin Kia. And um, I think maybe he just stepped down uh, for right. health reasons, right? Yeah. Um, and then basically, when it comes to the profile of persecution, they have all these different categories, violence, church life, national life, community, family, and private life. So the areas where it's a little less than some of the other countries is in the violence. It's only about at, at a scale of one to a hundred. It's right in the middle as far as the violence level goes. But community life, 79% rating on the pressure that is placed on the community life. And then a very high pressure also placed on the uh, church life, family life, and private life. And the prayer points in this Open Doors catalog, it says, pray for persecuted Christian minorities, that they would lovingly minister to persecuted uh, Rohingya Muslims who are facing genocide. Pray that many hearts would be open to the truth of Christ. And then secondly, Christian converts from Islam and Buddhism face strong pressure to recant their faith. Pray these believers would have courage to face persecution and pray for increased religious freedom. What's been your experience there in Myanmar? Well, I've been uh, going to Myanmar for actually 20 years now. My first trip was in 1998. Uh, And in fact... The things that have happened politically in Myanmar over the last 20 years are really amazing. Uh, my first trip into Myanmar, uh, the country was heavily um, over, overrun in a lot of ways by military presence. Um, Christians and churches were, were very much underground. And uh, the gospel, though, was flourishing in some parts of the country. That first trip there, you know, you felt the presence of, uh, of military really on every corner. Um, and the reality that your presence in the capital city of Yangon was going to be watched. And so you knew that, uh, but you also felt it. And the believers felt that. They knew that as well. And yet, even in spite of that, uh, I have some great memories and experiences of uh, believers being pretty transparent about their faith. In fact, I have a lot of specific things that happened, but I remember one night in particular, um, in, even back in 1998, we were going to go to a little uh, house church Bible study on a weeknight. I remember traveling uh, with our host, uh, host pastor, down a little side street, and the Bible study is going to be held up on I think this the fifth or sixth floor of this little apartment building. And so we were walking up an outside set of stairs. And as we began walking up um, in the dark with all of the feelings that you'd experienced over the last couple of days with all the military presence and all of the underground things that the churches were doing. But in that stairwell, walking up in the stillness of that night, I could hear a group of believers singing. And I remember walking up step by step, each step going up those stairs, hearing it more and more clear. Mm. Um, I couldn't understand what they were singing, uh, and yet it was clear that they were praising God. And then uh, getting to the floor and opening up the door to this little apartment room with, I don't know, 30 or 40 uh, Burmese believers sitting on the floor in there. Um, singing without uh, fear, although in my mind at least they should have. Um, 
and uh, and then spending the evening, you know, fellowshipping and and teaching and praying and singing along with them. Uh, I'll I'll never forget that the boldness of these believers, in spite of what you could feel, you know, across the country. So that was the experience early on in uh, 1998. But over the last 20 years. Um, God has been doing some miraculous things as far as opening up the country to the gospel. Um, and there still is uh, an underlying sense of apprehension, even among the believers. And there's things that are continuing um, to happen that, that cause them to know that the position is always tenuous. Um, yet uh, the doors opened up in, in some incredible ways. And you know maybe I can tell you some more about that, too. Yeah. Well, I remember when you were here a few months ago, uh, you had just been there for, I think it was uh, the completion or dedication yeah. of a Bible translation, the Aka Indians, not to be confused with the Aka Indians of the Jim Elliott f- uh, fame from uh, South America, but uh, tell us a little bit about that, you know, that dynamic where you have groups of people who didn't have a copy of God's Word, now they do, or the, the types of projects that are being worked on right now to get the God, cop- copy of God's Word into their hands. Yeah, actually, I was coming here uh, at at the end of two different um, things that were happening. Um, one was the dedication of uh, the Bibles International Translation Center and Guest House in the capital city of Yangon, Myanmar, which, again, 20 years ago is unheard of that we could even consider that. But today, by God's grace and the uh, ability of the country to open up, um, we have a... Tr- uh, beautiful translation center that's the hub of uh, eight or nine current translations all across Myanmar. And um, there are probably 50 people groups in Myanmar yet today that do not have a copy of the scripture. Hmm. Um, and so that translation center is is going to be central to our burden for all of those people groups to be able to have scriptures in their own languages and in fact, if God continues to allow Yangon and Myanmar to open up in some of the ways that it has, you know, they're very, uh, Yangon's become pretty aggressive in trying to attract business from outside. And there's several countries that actually businessmen, specifically from China and some other places, are, are really very, very active in Yangon, uh, trying to come in at the, you know, ground floor. Um, but uh, we really think that Yangon has a possibility of being a, a central hub of that region of Southeast Asia, and it's uh, an ideal location. So our translation center is strategically located there. We feel like it's going to impact not just Myanmar over the coming 20 years, but um, but perhaps you know all around the region for for uh, gospels being translated and published in many of those countries. So that was the first thing, or one of the things. And the other thing that you just uh, asked about was the, uh, um, it wasn't actually the completion, but I met with our uh, translation team that's working on the Aka um, translation. And in fact, that is actually in in Thailand. I met with them in northern Thailand. It was on the same trip. Um, But uh, there are believers in in northern uh, uh, Thailand in one of the cities. And I'm always a little careful about talking about this, but the, the Aka people are spread out through um, several countries north of Thailand, some of them very close to the gospel. Um, and there's a mountain range that runs through actually five, five countries north of that, and the Akas are spread throughout those countries. Um, and uh, upwards of... The people group is so remote, this is an indication of that, that the estimates of how many 
uh, Akas uh, are in those mountains ranges from 500,000 to over 2 million. Wow. So today, with the ways that we count, that, 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 the fact that there's such a discrepancy in their numbers tells us that we really can't tell. Um, we're just estimating, we're guessing. Um, but uh, those that know would say the numbers, you know, maybe up a, uh, closer to that 2 million or, or perhaps even more. And they're throughout those mountains, just in small little villages all throughout those countries, uh, separated by, by uh, country borders, and yet they would all still consider themselves, uh, you know, part of the Aka nation, the Aka people. And the translation project's fascinating because when you have people spread out through those regions, and even with the, the, uh, the country divisions that are made, over time, um, the language changes. And so there's some variance within each of those countries and each of those pockets. And so part of our desires to help the Aka people themselves, um, uh, we come alongside national partners, national teams in order to produce a scripture. And uh, among the Akas, there is a uh, just a fantastic network of really capable people leading um, this translation. Um, and it's an attempt to uh, produce um, a, uh, a, a translation that could be standardized and standardize the language of the Aka so that all of the groups would be able to understand it and read it. And so it's, it's sort of a unique project linguistically in that way. Yeah, wow. It's, it's um, hard to believe when you're, when you're coming from an American mindset uh, how many different people groups and then the languages within those people groups and their lack of access to a complete copy of God's Word. How many languages are out there estimated and how many have copies of God's Word? Sure, there's uh, some are people are surprised by this, but there's over 7,000 distinct languages spoken around the world. That number varies a little bit depending on who's counting and, and how they define, you know, how similar certain languages are, but but somewhere around 7,000. Uh, I think the best estimates are a little bit over that. And of that number, there's only about 800 of the 7,000 that have a complete scripture, uh, both an Old Testament and a New Testament. There's another 1,400 that have a New Testament. Um, and then there's, uh, I don't remember what the number is, maybe 300 or so that have limited scripture portions. So they might have a copy of the book of John in their language, or they might just have John chapter 3, or maybe even just a few verses uh, out of a book. But they have, they have some scripture in their language, and so you add them all up, and there's around 25, 2,600 of the 7,000 that have you know, even a portion of the scripture. Hmm. Um, at BI, we really want to talk about that 800 number. Uh, we believe strongly that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. We try to think about, so, so what if you were part of one of the language groups, let's say of the, the 1,400 groups that have a New Testament, um, but you don't have an Old Testament. And uh, so, you know, you read in your Bible, in Hebrews, about Moses and Abraham and some of these heroes of the faith, but you don't really know who they are. You may have heard a few stories. You might have seen a Bible story book that sort of gives an overview to help you. Um, but, uh, you know, your understanding of even your New Testament is, is hindered significantly. And I always like to think about the idea, um, you know, I don't know about, uh, about you, Pastor, but 
Um, there have been some times in my life where I've had to walk through what I call some deep water times. And in some of those deep treading water times, um, there are portions of the Bible that have been like a lifeline. And uh, Psalms is one of those. And I try to think about, so this this people group, and, and sometimes when I say the word people group, it becomes sort of generic, doesn't really mean anything. If I could introduce you to the people, mm-hmm. <laughs> to the individuals, um, some of them believers, and they're going through the same types of challenges. And, and what, if, what if you didn't have the Psalms? What if you didn't have some of those uh, scriptures that have fed your soul and and encourage your heart and challenge you to uh, to pursue our faithful God. Um, so I'm man, I'm burdened for that. There are people all around the world. In fact, uh, over 6,300, 6,200 uh, people groups on the around the world. They don't have the privilege of having the Psalms. They don't have Proverbs. They don't have the Book of Genesis, which is kind of this foundational text for all of life. Um, so the uh, burden of Bibles International is that. Um, in this day and age, when we have so many advantages um, in, you know, travel, world travel, which is, you know, just so much different than it ever has been before, and technology and the linguistic tools that are available. Um, I, I've said this a lot of times. I think we sort of live in the golden age for Bible translation. The opportunities in front of us are so incredible uh, for what God, uh, I think, wants to do to reach these uh, remaining um, people groups without a scripture over the next really generation of translators. We, have, we live in a very, very unique age because of those advantages. Um, and so our burden is, uh, you know, if God would allow us to be um, faithful, um, we want to see as many groups as possible that God would give us the opportunity to, to share the scriptures with them in a language that they understand. Wow, that's an awesome challenge, and it's enormous uh, and when you think of just the scope of how many people and how much work it takes, uh, we might have people listening to this broadcast that are thinking, how can I get involved? Uh, they might not be a linguist. They might not be able to go and move to a country full time. I remember we had a secretary in Dublin, New Hampshire, Bonnie Bartelt, who would go and do some transcription or something to help with mm-hmm. these projects. I know our own Dr. Yo Sherado has gone and helped uh, can you give a breakdown of how do people get involved in helping with these types of projects? Yeah, well, um, first of all, um, it, I'm always amazed at the places and locations that uh, God calls out future Bibles International um, translation consultants and linguists. And uh, oftentimes it happens, you know, the first steps towards this happen when I'm talking with a group of young people or speaking to a church and there's a young person or a college student that sort of has um, an interest in some way or maybe even is noticing some specific uh, gifts and skills and languages. Uh, you know, maybe they're taking a foreign language in, in uh, school and they pick it up easy, easier than their other classmates. Or maybe they're in college and they're studying, you know, some original languages, some Hebrew and Greek, and they just get it. They're, they're excelling in those areas and they love it and they're interested. And they may be thinking, I have no idea, you know, necessarily, you know, how God's going to use this. But um, oftentimes that's the original seed that God plants to say, perhaps, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pieces that have to go into place in preparation to do this kind of work. But um, sometimes God uses simple interests like that to, um, 
to begin to create a heart for Bible translation. And uh, so that's one thing that I always want to talk about because uh, those are open doors and there's a need. Um, and then there's, there's a number of other ways uh, to partner together with Bibles International or even other Bible translation societies. But um, uh, I was going to say this isn't easy. Um, it's never easy. It's sacrificial. But Bible translation is an, is an expensive process. And um, e- each of our translation projects uh, costs somewhere around a quarter million dollars and above. Um, there's uh, even just the printing part of it. I, I just got new figures from our projects department that said the new Bibles that we're getting ready to print, full Bibles, are um, coming in. The quotes are coming into us about $7 a Bible. Um, so if you start talking about, um, you know, let's we're going to print, 10,000 Bibles for a certain people group, you know, right there we're talking about $70,000. And, you know, we've got a project that we're finishing up now that's we're going to print 20,000 Bibles, and actually they're asking for 30,000. Um, and so those numbers just right off the bat start to add up. Um, but there's just, you know, a lot of other extensive costs that are involved. Sure, and just so getting them there. I mean, if you think about the transportation of printed material, I mean— yeah. You know, that's a plane load. 20,000 Bibles is a plane load. Tons and tons. Yep. You need a forklift to move these Bibles around. Yep, and they're sh- and typically shipped, but, uh, you know, these are big containers that we're trying to yep. send. Um, and and we're, we're not sending them to easy ports. We're sending them to the, you know, these are remote places. The, the translation projects that still need to be done today are the ones that are hard to reach. Sure. They're hard places. Um all the easy places and the easy translations, they've been done. Um, and that's one of the reasons why there's such a, a big number still to go at this point, because they're smaller people groups in more remote locations. And, of course, you know, those things just add costs. You know, how do you get there along the process of your consultants construct, uh, con- um, uh, working together with the national teams? How do you travel back and forth? Um, you know, so all of those costs just uh, continue to increase. And um, but uh, you know, BI I think has been uh, I think we can say with confidence has been uh, careful stewards of the resources that God has provided, and um, uh, I can tell people with a lot of confidence that um, BI's uh, using what God has given us in very very careful ways. And, and I think as a result of that, we have, uh, you know, a number of people, churches that have partnered together with BI saying, we can be a part of this. In fact, I've had several churches over the last uh, couple of years um, tell me something similar to this. You know, for, for the life of our church, whether it's, you know, 40 years or 50 years, uh, just recently a church that was celebrating their 110th anniversary. And in response to that 110th anniversary, they adopted a project actually a pretty significant uh, part of a project. They partnered together with another church. And I was there as they were sort of finishing up what they had chosen to do and were um, presenting a check, the Bible's international. And, and the pastor told the church family, um, said, you know, for, for the history of our church, 110 years, I think that's what it was, where the scriptures have been the foundation of who we are for this many years, the opportunity that we have today to be involved, the, you know, perhaps even one of the primary partners in allowing a scripture to go to another people group. The, they adopted a project in, uh, in Africa, in, in 
Molly, the Songhai Project, which is another fascinating story. Um, but uh, to be able to provide a scripture for the Songhai people um, is perhaps one of the most significant things our church has ever done. Um, he said, uh, you know, not only does it, does it uh, continue on the, on the mission, the privilege that we've had, the burden that we have for the scriptures, but this project is going to live for generations and impact the eternities of people for generations to come. Um, the scripture among the Songhai is going to outlive me, and it's going to outlive you. It might outlive our church. In fact, it's likely to, to outlive our church. And, and for, for years and years to come, if God is to tarry, um, God's word is con- going to continue to bear fruit among the Songhai people. And, wow. And that's a powerful, powerful testimony. Yeah, that's awesome. How can people find out more about Bibles International? Bibles International uh, website, um, www.biblesint.org. We'll tell you some more about the ministry. Um, there's opportunities to partner together. Um, you can send and uh, you can send a note. Uh, there's some contact points. In fact, you could send a note uh, specifically to me and say, "Hey, you know, I was thinking about Bibles International. How can I be a part of it?" And you'll find that contact information on that website. Excellent. All right, Gary Walton, president of Bibles International, uh, on his way back from Myanmar, Myanmar, and in India. And I, I will say that wrong the rest of my life, I'm sure. So, uh, but Gary, thank you very much for coming up and sharing the burden and the blessing of what's happening with Bibles International. Hey man, thanks for the chance.